Guess what, Lions? For as little as $5 a month, you can get access to exclusive bonus audio content and help this program grow by joining the Lions of Liberty Pride. To learn more, head over to lionsofliberty.com support. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Electric Liberty Land, episode number 60. That's episode 60 for you who are not good at putting one number and a second number together in a coherent fashion. And of course, that means you can get all the show notes for today's episode at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL60. Now, I know this is unusual, but uh, we have a new ad format here I'm going to try out. So I'm going to run an ad right at the top of the show, and then we'll have a regular ad at the middle of the show. So without further ado, our uh, our brand new sponsor want to, uh, to segue into that, and I'll be right back. Dear America, this is a message from your friendly neighborhood FBI. We want to make sure that you haven't lost faith in America's premier detective bureau. I know things look bad right now and you say, why didn't this latest school shooter get stopped by the FBI? Well, don't worry about that because we've stopped plenty of other terrorist attacks and planned shooting events. Yes, you could even say we stopped 100% of the terrorist attacks that we have co-coordinated with would-be terrorists. The FBI, undefeated in defeating our own terrorist plots. All right, and we are back with Electric Liberty Land, guys. So, uh, you know... We take the money where it's available. What can I tell you? If it happens to be the FBI, it happens to be the FBI. And of course, if you don't want us to take these kinds of ads, you are free to join the pride. You heard Mark talking about it. Very, very top of the show. And of course, you can join that by going to lionsofliberty.com forward slash support to join our pride. Get all that exclusive content. All that good stuff. Mm, Goodies. Goodies in your goodie basket. All right, guys. So we're starting off pepped up, but obviously I've got to talk about gun control. I've got to talk about the issue that is at the top of the minds right now, which is, of course, the school shooting in Florida. Uh, I mean, it, what what's there to say? It's a horrible event. This guy named Nicholas Cruz, former student at the school, had been expelled for threats or uh, or violence or bringing out of school. It's a bunch of like a litany of aggressions this kid took while he was a student. He was expelled because of it. Never mind that, uh, you know, people are saying that there were no clues to his uh (laughs) that he would eventually become this psychopath that would murder people not to mention the fact that he had posted some threatening remarks on youtube which he was reported for and granted i don't expect the government necessarily to find every youtube comment but when you do have a spying apparatus which is heavily funded which has been continuously renewed despite the fact that we know that they violate our civil rights and we know that they have these secret courts which just simply uh, rubber stamp everything and anything regards to collecting bulk data from Americans. How, how would you not expect them to find YouTube comments like the one that Nicholas Cruz had posted stating that he was trying to be a professional school shooter? And that remark, he was actually flagged for and he was reported by some people that were on that comment or on that YouTube video, saw it reported to the local FBI who then interviewed the man who reported the comment seems a little bit counterintuitive, but interviewed the man that reported the comment on YouTube who said he has no idea what the guy was. He just saw it and then did not follow up and actually interview the person who posted the comment. So nice job, FBI knocking it out of the park. He was then reported a second time for 
comments that were inflammatory or threatening online. And the FBI, in that instance, and they have come out plainly and said this in Miami Bureau of the FBI, they did nothing. They, by protocol, were supposed to have checked into it. Instead, nothing happened. And this kid wasn't investigated. They didn't talk to him, anything like that. Now, like I said, I don't expect, in a perfect world, in fact, I, I, I don't think people should be investigated for comments on social media. Social media is a cesspool, and I'm going to get into that in just a little bit because it ties into my grand unifying theory of why these things keep happening. But I don't want boot thugs kicking in the doors like they do in the UK over things that are posted on social media. If I post something that could could be a, a jest, I mean, let's be honest, posting a comment like, I'm going to be a professional school shooter someday could very easily be a joke. Would it be a joke in bad taste? Arguably, yes, but still could very easily be a joke. So I'm not that upset that this guy didn't get uh, the FBI knocking on his door or interrogated by the FBI because of comedy posted on social media. My God, the things you see posted on YouTube. I mean, I don't know why anybody even bothers to read the comments on YouTube. Just like I don't know why people go on porn sites and create avatars so that they can comment on porn stars while they're masturbating. Why? Who starts to masturbate? And then it's like, you know what? I really should get an avatar for this. I got, I got some things that I got to say about this woman's breasts before I can finish. God damn. Talk about lack of attention span. And then to take the time. Hey, I'm getting, I'm getting off on a tangent here, but you know what I'm saying? Who the, who the fuck does this? Who are these people? All right. Back on target. So I do want to talk about gun control. I I want to talk about the school shooting and, and the grand unifying theory I, I have about it. And you know, a lot of the time when I talk about these topics, I do do it under the guise of one of my favorite little sketches or uh, segments, which of course is called Bar Talk, wherein I tell you how to interact with people on difficult subjects while in the bar. So without further ado. Cliff, explanation please. No, he has one. Five bucks says he does, ten says it's a doozy. Maybe it's severe talking, Mart, but you got a butt that won't quit. They got these big chewy pretzels here that are all you get with your beer. You know, Five dollars? Get out of here. Yes, Bartok. So, here's how you talk to people about school shootings. Here's how you talk to people about guns and Second Amendment rights while you're drunk in a bar immediately following the aftermath of, of this, something like this. You don't. Don't do it. You know why? Complete waste of your time. Talking about something like this, it, it, literally, you're never going to find a middle ground with somebody until maybe a month later. And hopefully nothing else happens between now and then. Hopefully no other legislation gets passed that's truly idiotic. Now, I know Trump's already banning... He's going to say he's going to ban bump stocks. Well, yes, that should not be. That's an infringement on our right to bear arms. And not necessarily in a direct way, because there's nothing in the Constitution that says you have a right to a bump stock for your gun. It's by extension. Anything that's out there available that's a weapon that can go on a weapon, you should be able to get. If the government can get it, you should be able to get it. So I don't agree with this ban, ban on bump stocks, and I think it's idiotic and blown out of proportion. It's basically to... Uh, throw something to the people that are crying for gun control. But in a nutshell, it's too emotional. It's too raw. You cannot possibly have an interaction with somebody that's anti-guns in the wake of a tragedy like this. It doesn't matter what you say to them. It doesn't matter what stats you throw out. It doesn't matter that gun violence is massively down. It doesn't matter that uh, these incidents and violent crime in general, general are down. But this specific thing, School shootings of this nature, these mass shooting events in the name and the death toll, basically, that's what is specifically up. And these people right now, and probably in general, will never come around to your point of view. This has become a really, uh, it's, a, it's an issue that separates people into very distinct camps. There's nobody that's really kind of up in the air on gun control anymore. You either think we need to go Australia style and ban everything except for uh, very few hunting rifles. And even so, if you still have those rifles, you're still going to have violence. 
And you're still going to be able to get guns on the black market anyway. So it's just a moot point. It's stupid. But you're going to have people in that camp and nothing you can say to them is going to convince them. Apart from somebody coming in and maybe murdering a family member of theirs where they stand there and watch helpless. And even then they might say, well, if he didn't have access to a gun, despite the fact that this person probably got a gun on the black market, probably didn't go and get licensed and get it, get it registered and all of that bullshit that they make you go through. These people are going to say that we need a gun registry, despite the fact that gun registries do nothing to stop gun violence, because all you do with the gun registry is see that somebody has a registered gun. Great. So now I can see who this gun was registered to after this guy killed somebody and was caught. Oh, it was that guy that shot a bunch of people. How helpful. And you, on the other hand, you say, well, I believe that my second right, my second amendment rights cannot possibly be infringed upon. I believe that I should have access to these weapons, not only for my own self-protection, but also for protection from government. And the people on the left will argue that, well, you say you want it for protection from government, but how could you expect to take on this monolith? But as I said in an earlier episode, I think it might have might after the, uh, the shooting in Las Vegas, throughout history, we've seen plenty of armies of militia or uh, people that are armed with smaller arms, not the tanks, not the airplanes, successfully defeat a very powerful military force. We're seeing in Afghanistan right now where that war is still going on. What are we on, year 18? We're fighting against people that are hiding in caves, people that have AK-47s that uh, that are barely working, ancient weaponry. Looks like that's still going on. Can't declare victory there because we haven't won there. Look at Vietnam, a war that we lost. That was also fought by people that were hiding in tunnels, for fuck's sake. These people know their territory. They know their land. They can operate in a guerrilla fashion against a a stronger military force by definition. But you also have the aspect of fighting for something you believe in. And if it comes to the end of days for America, I can guarantee you that people that possess those guns and possess uh, the knowledge that their way of life should be protected, will be fighting tooth and nail, and they will have much more to lose than the people that are fighting on the other side, on the military side of things. Not to mention that the military, do we honestly believe that the military in this country will not turn on itself in some way, shape, or form should there be some sort of coup in the future? So having people armed is important. And I can say definitively, and this is also what, what I almost called this episode, but there is nothing that can happen and this might sound callous, but it comes from a practical argument. There's nothing that can happen that will make me change my mind about the right to own a gun and the right to access guns. 300 people could get mowed down in some coordinated attack. I'm sorry. That's tragic. That is a tragedy. I will weep for the victim's I will ask what can be done to stop it, but I will not give up my right to defend myself. I will not give up my right to own a firearm. And I don't give a goddamn what people think about that. And I think majority of people listening to this podcast probably agree. And I acknowledge, like I said, that sounds cold, but having laid out the reasons I believe in gun ownership, not only from a self-defense standpoint, as I look around uh, and see the status of my neighborhood, which is slowly getting better, but there's still gunshots going off. There's still murders. There's still robberies. My wife, who I want to uh, protect, obviously, I'd like a gun to do that. And if somehow we come to an, into a civil war situation where we're a uh, people versus a government, I'd like a gun in that situation as well. Now, let's move on a little bit. Because I don't want to dwell too much on that part. Like I said, there's no point in debate right now. But let's move on to look at my theory on what's happening in society. And I don't think that this is a mental health issue. You keep hearing this ridiculous mantra from the left and from the right. From the left, it's this demand that we have to do something on guns. And they know that we're not going to get a gun ban. It's never going to happen. You're never going to get 
all the guns from people in this country. Never. There are millions upon millions of gun owners and millions upon millions of guns. You are never going to get those guns, especially not the pussified left who don't own the guns. How are you going to get them? You're going to sneak in people's houses at night? You're going to get them all high on weed? And then when they pass out full of munchies, they're going to steal their guns away? No, it's not going to happen. You will never, ever get guns out of people's hands in this country. So stop trying to make believe that that's an option. So they call us, they go, mental health, mental health. We need to improve people's mental health. You know, maybe we do. I don't think that the government should be responsible for that. And in fact, calls for the government to be in charge of deciding who should or should not be able to have access to a weapon based on their mental health status or what the government says their mental health status is terrifies me, scares me to the bone. Because Obama had put into uh, into play, he had some of these executive actions he wanted to take that, thank God, never actually occurred. But part of that was putting into place a system wherein your doctor shared your mental health records or shared any sort of depression diagnosis or any sort of anxiety diagnosis with the federal bureaus. And they could then put you on a uh, no-buy registry for guns or a take-away-your-guns registry, which they already have these. Some states are putting in legislation that allows people to report you, like family members, and say, well, I think he's a danger. And they come and they can take away your guns. And giving government the opportunity to do that, to declare someone as being ineligible for gun ownership because of a mental health status, that is just, it's opening a Pandora's box because who defines it? Are they, going to, are they going to turn to some uh, right-wing or libertarian think tank to deserve or, or to define mental health? No, of course not. They're going to define mental health in a way that strictly enables them to succeed. Or they're going to have a, such a broad definition that virtually anything can fall into the category of mental health uh, issues so that they can then say, okay, you're on the restricted list, no more guns for you. And we're already seeing this. I mean, it basically happened to a... Large portion, I think it was something like 1.3 million people, all these people that fell under a disabilities category, wherein Obama put into place this act. And uh, essentially what it said was that if you can't handle your own internal finances and you needed help with that, if you're on disability, then you now are not capable of owning a gun. So they're equating not being able to handle your own finances or pay all your own bills on your own and, and have the capability to do that with a lack of ability to own and operate a firearm, which I'm sorry, is completely ridiculous. It's just penalizing massive swaths of people. So that was what Trump actually rolled back, by the way. When all these asshole progressive news outlets said, oh, well, you know what? Trump's giving all these mentally ill people access to guns. Oh, my God. Not true. But why would we expect truth in media at this point? So anywho, that whole, the whole health thing is just out of this world crazy. But <laughs> anyway, this is not a mental health issue. And most people that are doing these shootings don't have any mental health background issues. You know, the guy that did the Vegas shooting had no prior records. He had no prior mental health uh, flags on his profile. He hadn't been to the psychiatrist talking about the need to see blood pouring out of people's heads. So we eliminate everything else. We say, okay, we, we're putting regulations into place. They haven't helped. Nothing in regards to any law we can think of right now would have stopped this, this killing. None of these mental, mental health restrictions would have, would have necessarily stopped. Now, in this specific instance, they might have because he had a background record. It's like a, let's not beat around the bush there. But again, in most cases, it doesn't. But why was this kid in the position where he wanted to do this? Right, That's what I'm trying to figure out. And to me, you're getting rid of all the different variables and you say, okay, this has to come down to a matter of culture. Because we have a culture right now wherein I do look to the left and I look at the influence that the left has had on society, on the way we parent, on the way we interact with children, on the way we interact with each other in society, on the way that technology impacts our lives. And that basic extension of what technology and social media has had in regards to anxiety, depression, uh, suicidal thoughts, and aggressive reactions. 
So let me try to break this down in a, a pretty straightforward fashion so you can see where I'm coming from. So I could see this. This is one of those things where you could see people going, all right, well, I can't believe what this guy said. This this jerk off, you know, he's saying it's all progressive's fault just because he wants to to shame us and give the the, you know, the conservatives some talking points and make it all like we're the bad guys. Well, I'm sorry. In this case, to me, having sat, having thought about it very, very deeply and for quite a long time. Yes, I think this all falls on the, sh- the shoulders of progressives. So let me lay out why I feel this way. Number one, progressive values just plague parenting and media. You have an entire generation, multiple generations, really, of children that have been grown and brought to bear and and coddled in this environment of non-impact, non-conflict, protectionism. You know, they're put into this, this bubble wherein there's no competition. There's no hurt feelings. They've eliminated all the games in which you can win or lose. So these children grow up thinking that they can do no wrong, thinking that they're God's little gift to the universe. You know, parenting is all about empowering your child. You're always the best. Hey, whatever that person says about you, don't believe that. That's not true. You're the best and you're going to succeed. You're just a beautiful little starlight shining in the sky and you are destined for great things. And what happens when that's not true? Well, they have no idea how to cope with the rejection. They have no idea how to cope with it when it turns out they're not special. I mean, it's like Fight Club. You are not special. You are not a unique snowflake. You're meat. And you also have this parenting method. And, I, and I'm going to read uh, this article to you, by the way, that I found on uh, one of these parenting sites. I'll pull up in just a second. But there's no fear of rep- like reprisal or punishment for a lot of these kids either because they're brought up in this environment of, okay, well, you know what? There's no good or evil. You didn't do right or wrong. And there's no punishment for it. I'm not going to spank you. I'm not going to yell at you. I'm not going to send you to your room. I'm not going to ground you. We're just going to talk this through, you know, because we're both adults here. Meanwhile, you're not both adults there. One of you is an adolescent that has never learned to grow up. And one of you is a fucking child that needs to have rules, that needs to have boundaries, that needs to know right from wrong and have that be very clearly delineated. Now, let me read a little bit from this Romper article. It's called 10 Ways Progressive Parents Parent Differently and Why. So let me just read a couple of these points off to you. We value critical thinking over obedience. We like to explain rather than direct. We treat our children like autonomous people. Because they, this is a a quote, progressive parents understand that our children are not merely extensions of us, but are whole people in their own right. Now, and they say they have certain undeniable rights, which is funny because, of course, as libertarians, we agree with that. But we also <laughs> probably agree that while your child has its own rights, your child also needs guidance. And your child is an extension of you in that your child goes out into the world embodying the values that you put into your child. Now, there are other factors, which I'm going to get into momentarily. But your child is most definitely an extension of you, genetically, morally culturally, an extension of you. Here's another one. We try not to sweat the small stuff. So, for example, making sure that their kids are learning egalitarian values and aren't always insistent about things like appearance or keeping things perfectly neat and tidy. So again, letting things go. So instead, they want to teach them egalitarian. Everybody's equal, children. Everybody's equal in the world, but let's not worry about actually making sure that you're doing the things that we ask you to do. So instead of saying, okay, there's a certain number of things you need to check off that, I, that I'm going to hold you responsible for, right? It's this abdication of responsibility. Instead of making sure that you do the things that you're responsible for, I'd rather overlook it and say, oh, well, you know what? But little Johnny is, uh, he shared half his sandwich at lunch today. So it's okay that he, he didn't actually listen to what I told him to. Because parents would rather, progressive parents would rather avoid confrontation being grown adolescents themselves. So instead of having conflict that they need to resolve with their child by punishing them, by making sure that they do what they're supposed to do, they instead abdicate that and say, oh, it's, it's not a big deal, right? Don't split the small stuff. 
We approach roles differently. Yes, roles are different. In addition to accepting some of our kids' input about how things should run around the house, which I'm fine, talk to your kid, but you're letting your kid dictate the rules of the house now? That's a, that's a great approach. But many parents adopt a less is more approach to rules. We keep the phrase do not to a minimum and limit the number of power struggles and conflicts we have to engage in with our kids. Instead, we prefer to focus on a safe and flexible environment, making our homes a yes space. So again, (laughs) there's no conflict. There's no conflict resolution. You can't have conflict resolution without conflict. Growing up on the East Coast, right? And I know there's a lot of people that are progressive on the East Coast too, but there's a different, very different vibe. Busting people's balls is the way you do things, especially in male society. You come up, at least when I was growing up, and it was trial by fire. There's a lot of conflict, and you learn to resolve that conflict. One of the reasons I have a good sense of humor is from conflict resolution. I have literally, with Mark Clare, I believe, I'm 90% sure he was there, and another friend of ours. One time, we go into a bar, which is sadly no longer in existence here, called the Red Garter. It was a shady, shady shithole bar filled with gang members. And that's not me making accusations out of turn, literal gang member hangout. So we're in there. You could drink $3 Heinekens. We're hanging out with these gang members. One friend of ours is exceptionally drunk. And we go outside and he's, you know, he's hitting on one of the girls. And literally we walk out the door. You know, these, these gang members leave the bar. Okay. We walk out the front door and they're all surrounding the door as we walk out of the bar waiting for us. Now, I don't need to tell you why they were waiting for us, but the only thing that got us out of that situation was me making a joke. And God damn it, I wish I could remember the goddamn joke right now because that would make the story even better. But I walk out of the bar and I said something to, to something making fun of my friend or just some offhand remark that got them all laughing. I said, guys, you know, he's just drunk. It's okay. You know, we'll get him out of here. Don't worry. We, we, won't, be, uh, we won't be back. We won't bother you again. And we got out of that situation, number one, alive. <laughs> number two, uh, without any violence. But you don't learn how to resolve conflict if you don't have conflict. So these parents saying, oh, we want to make a yes space. Yes, honey, yes. Everything is catered to you. This What this creates is an environment wherein you can do no wrong and thus you should not expect the world to deal you a wrong hand or the world to tell you you're wrong. Well, you know what? Rules exist in the real world. And penalties exist in the real world. And consequences exist in the real world for your actions. One more thing I'll read here. We try to teach instead of punish. Tying in, tying in all these things. You can see the theme here, right? You can see the thing. Progressive parents don't believe that our children are innately bad or that it's our job to break them so they can be decent people. We understand our children are born worthy of love and belonging. They're just new to the world. They need to be guided. Look, (laughs) there's some people that do need to be broken of habits or need to be broken of behavior types. Now, you can choose different ways to do that, but the one thing you should not choose is to ignore it, which is what basically these people are doing. And they see behavior as communication. Instead of using behavior as a means of assessing whether our children are inherently good or bad, Progressive parents see behavior as a way to express or meet a need. For example, if a child is feeling cranky, we try to figure out what their unmet needs are. Food or or connection instead of judging, shaming, punishing them for how they're acting. Now, that is ironic because that leads perfectly into the next thing that upsets me about progressive values and the, the issues I have with it. Because progressive culture is the most intolerant, judgmental, rejection based culture I've ever seen in my life. Think about it. When you've got progressives, they are completely intolerant of any other point of view. Completely intolerant. Just look at the Donald Trump saga ongoing. How many times have you seen people say, oh, I'm not friends with this person because they brought this up? I saw some woman I'm friends with on Facebook just post that she had to stomp out of a restaurant because a friend of hers brought up the gun debate. 
And she wouldn't talk to him about it. And she told everybody on her Facebook, if you want to talk to me about guns, I will not be friends with you. Sound tolerant? Does it sound open-minded? But not only that, the progressive culture exists in this mocking fashion. All of comedy, for the most part, belongs to the left. And the left doesn't engage with anyone especially somebody outside of the norm of their progressive thought bubble. They don't engage with that person to actually learn what their viewpoint is. They instead mock that person. They mock and they condemn anyone outside of the progressive norm. So you can imagine, let's say in school, if you are a student who has slightly outside the box ways of looking at life, maybe your style's outside the box, maybe your viewpoints are outside the box, maybe you are not reading all of the progressive bullshit that everyone else is reading, maybe you do question the progressive norms that these people have taken into their their minds and bodies from their progressive parents who brought them up that the world is a beautiful happy place with no rules, just right like Outback Steakhouse. So these students instead are rejected, and they're mocked in school. And then we've got the greatest invention of progressives, social media, coming from our friends in Silicon Valley, where Peter Thiel has now left, terrorized by the groupthink and intolerance of the left that resides there. So now you've got social media amplifying this bullying, this mocking, this condemnation of thought. Every single study done has shown social media's effects on mood. And unanimously, every social media platform has resulted in the studies saying that it amplifies anxiety. It amplifies depression with all these studies saying that the more time you spend on social media, the more depressed you are because all you're doing is going on and looking at people's perfect views of life. Everybody's posting how well they're doing. Look at me. Look how great I am. Look how shitty you are. And you instead look at that and you reflect badly upon yourself and say, God, I'm not doing that. I'm not living that life. Why don't I have this? Why don't I have that? Then you add on top of that social bullying that goes on. You add on that every event is posted on social media. So you can clearly see what you are or are not uh, included on, invited to. And the condemnation, again, is extra strong there. God, if you post one thing wrong on social media, people will just tear into you. And not only tear into you, but share it so that everybody is sure to see just how stupid you are. It's not a a coincidence that suicide rates, and I posted these studies, again, lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL60. It's not a coincidence that suicides have gone up more than doubled among teenagers since 2007. This is clear, clear corroborating evidence. This is a clear result of the culture that exists today that is being amplified by social media. Add on to that, progressive media covering these events to the ends of the earth because they have a clear agenda. And I'm not saying that, I mean, a school shooting where 17 children are dead, that's news. It should be covered. But it's covered in such a way that it lasts for weeks on end because the media on the left has a specific bias they're trying to push. They have a specific narrative they're trying to push. And every time one of these things happens, they get a nice hard on for gun control and they can't stop. They haven't called their doctor because they've got an erection lasting more than four weeks. They got to drive it into the earth. And all that does, instead of having a negative effect on would-be shoulders, all that does is glorify and aggrandize what's been done. When you've got people that don't know how to deal with conflict, that are outsiders, that are outcasts, that are being condemned, told how wrong they are, and ostracized by the community, and having that amplified on social media, then these people see what's happening. They see this is the way out. This is what people like me have done. This is the way I can get vengeance. This is the way I will be remembered. Because everyone is ignoring them, Everyone thinks that they don't matter, that they shouldn't be included in society from a progressive value standpoint, and thus, this is the way that they will make their mark. We have a storm right now of progressive porcelain dolls who, as soon as they start to crack, they simply shatter. They're trapped in this echo chamber of rejection, 
by today's hyper-judgmental culture and social media, and they simply have no way to cope with it. And maybe if there weren't so many progressive values of happiness and joy and progressive parenting and everything's right and there's no rules, maybe if you actually had kids that grew up with some conflict in their lives, maybe if you actually had kids that played sports, that knew that there was a winner and loser, that knew that life isn't just the what you make of it. You don't ride a goddamn unicorn into your boss's office and demand that he gives you four weeks extra pay because you're special and you deserve it like that fucking idiotic Trident commercial. Pretty sure it's Trident. Ah, this commercial makes me so pissed off. Because that's not the real world. And you're not special. And you know what? People probably think you're a fucking dick. And the faster you learn that, the faster we're going to stop school shootings. Uh, Just to wrap up on that, things you can do right now to stop school shootings, get rid of gun-free zones. That much is clear. Get rid of them. Number two, arm all the teachers. I don't know why there's an argument against it. It's common sense. Arm the teachers. Wouldn't you rather have people that are trained, know how to use a gun, that can stop somebody? You have one cop patrolling a school. My school had, let me think here, I had 800 in my class. My class had 2,800 people in it. We had like two cops, two truancy officers. They weren't even armed. They're going to stop somebody. How are they going to even find them? If you have a teacher in every classroom that has a gun, as soon as somebody goes down, they come out, they start shooting this guy. One shot, one gunshot, this kid's probably going to run away. The only power they have is knowing that no one can shoot back. Number three, I'm fine with putting metal detectors in schools. I used to be, a, I used to be against it. I'm all for it now. Put metal detectors in. Have guards with metal detectors. Every time this guy goes in, you go through the metal detector. I'm not worried that it creates an environment that's like a prison now because, you know what, I've come around to the view that these kids should be worried about going to school. They should be scared to go into school. They should feel like they're in a prison because they're in a prison of brainwashing government control anyway. You're going to get indoctrinated into this status mentality. So be fearful. Hopefully more kids get homeschooled. I hope more parents are terrified enough that they start teaching their kids at home rather than having to go to these statist institutions that are just racking up massive budgets while kids get stupider and stupider and less tolerant and less tolerant. Hachimachi. All right, let's take a quick commercial break. I'll be right back. A little bit more Electric Liberty Land in just a minute. Hey, guys. You might remember that I recently said that this is the libertarian moment and that we need more people to stand up and run for office. Now, if you're tired of watching Liberty erode and you plan to stand up and run for office, I want you to call on a team that has over 20 years experience, Global Alliance Communications. They specialize in data analytics, identifying and mobilizing voters. They offer live voter outreach, data acquisition, compliance, recorded messages, text messaging with full social media touchpoints and teletown halls. Campaigns of all types and sizes are encouraged to reach out, and you can find out more by visiting their website at www.gacigroup.com or email info at gacigroup.com. All right, welcome back. We're back in, back in. So again, I've linked to a lot of those Stories, a lot of the studies that I uh, referenced there, that that stupid romper article, lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL60 if you want to reference those at all. But I don't want to end the show on a somber note, right? Let's get a little, uh, let's have a little fun. So first thing <laughs> on the lighter side is this, these Mueller indictments against the Russians. It was like, like three businesses and 10 Russian individuals. And it's largely built around, and I say, I mean, almost almost completely built around Facebook ad buys and social media campaigns or goofy coordination of anti, like, for example, one is an anti-Trump rally that happened. Another one, they uh, they had built a Hillary Clinton-sized cage. <laughs> just, just wonderful. Some of these are involved with, you know, like anti-Hillary, like blacktivist posts, like blacktivists are saying, oh, well, Hillary Clinton did this and that, which really, that one's believable, considering the damage the Clinton clan has done towards black America. But just the fact that this this investigation has cost some like 
$15 million now and has resulted in 13 indictments against Russians, not even Americans. Because Rosenstein, the attorney general, he even said specifically that there is no willing contact or collusion between anyone involved in the Trump campaign and Russians. There was kind of like some tangential contact, like accidental contact between these two without, they didn't even know that they were Russians. They're like, all right, well, they thought they were Americans at the time because they were hired by Russians to do whatever. So it's like, you know, steps of separation. So there's no collusion, none. So I ask you this, where are these 17 intelligence agencies that somehow say that there was all this collusion? We know for a fact that Russia hacked the election. This was Robert Donald Trump. Bullshit. Bullshit. Where is it? Millions of dollars. How much media time? How much media time has been wasted on this garbage? And these people are still, still just sucking on the teat. They can't get over it. <laughs> and I love this too. This is one of my favorite stories of the day. Michael Moore, noted tub of disgusting putrescence on the left. Michael Moore actually attended a rally coordinated by Russians. Yes, one of the Russians indicted was coordinating an anti-Trump rally in front of Trump Tower, and Michael Moore was there with like 25,000 other morons protesting Donald Trump. Is uh, is that irony delicious enough for you? It sits on the tongue. I mean, it, it, it tastes good. It's like a, it's like licking a popsicle made of irony. Oh, I love it. So I just love how this whole thing is shaken out. And I, I mean, it's still ongoing, which is, again, another puzzling thing to think about. This is what you've got after this year of investigation. You've got these 13 Russians who bought Facebook ads and Facebook's own director of uh, whatever, investigative content or whatever, their head of, of uh, content there who looked into this, said all of these ads, or like 90% of the ads, were bought after the elections happened, after the elections were decided. This is literally just efforts by the Russians to troll America. And I'm sure they're laughing their asses off. You know, Trump said it himself. The Kremlin's laughing its ass off. Of course it is. Look at this cultural difference. America's getting up in arms about this idiotic shit. It's like $100,000 worth of ads on Facebook. And on, on both sides, by the way, going after Hillary, they had pro Jill Stein ones. They had Bernie bros ones, puppy dogs for Bernie, Bernie Sanders coloring books. None of this is collusion for Trump. All of it's just goofy trolling to try to, I guess, decentralize the vote. I don't even know what their point was, these Russians. Maybe just it's just Vladimir Putin gets his kicks out of it. But we've got, this is, this is the best that they've got. <laughs> so all these Facebook ads, they're all bought after the election was already decided. And the guy who wrote Facebook even said, he goes, I told the FBI this. You know, I told the Department of Justice this a year ago. I told the media this a year ago. And they ignored it because it didn't fit. This is his words. The media ignored it because it didn't fit the anti-Trump pro-Russia collusion narrative. This guy's at Facebook staying, and Facebook you know is progressive as hell. So it's just, I mean, it is mind-boggling to think about how ridiculous this is. In the meantime, we've got all this collusion going on between Hillary Clinton and Fusion GPS and a British spy and the Russians and the FBI's involved and the FISA courts involved. That is collusion. That is corruption. But now, Let's go ahead and try to indict these 13 Russians for buying Facebook ads and for coordinating, uh, let's put Hillary Clinton in a cage rallies. Give me a break. Oh, and the, and the icing on the cake, by the way, is that James Clapper, <laughs> uh, who you all remember as a uh, perjurist and a liar to a, a Congress talking about the NSA spying has admitted that we do it on our own too. The FBI's got programs, or the CAI's got programs, that go out and do this exact same thing. They do the exact same thing. The CAI has a program right now where they they just signed a deal with a, uh, a tech company for a platform that allows CIA agents to have 10 different online personas to manage them so that they can form 
online perceptions and online conversations. Not only, by the way, is that completely terrifying for domestic use, but they're doing the same thing overseas, which is what they claim they'll be using it for. <laughs> so just like everything else, when we're talking about elections, like James Clapper comes out and he goes, well, yeah, you know, the U.S. is, uh, yeah, we do the same thing. We, we tried to influence and sway elections, but only for good reason. Well, you know, I mean, what, what your good reason is uh, probably Russia's bad reason. Russia's, you know, if Russia didn't want Hillary Clinton in there because she's talking about shooting down planes over Syria and starting World War III, that's a pretty good reason. It's just and to, to say <laughs> to say that a president is illegitimate because of the actions taken uh, by a foreign government that we do as well, and that have had no impact whatsoever is just delightful. It, it, it is beyond satire. And speaking of satire, this isn't even satire. This is just a very funny observation, but a fantastic observation that was made and voiced to the Hillary Clinton campaign was that these Russians that bought Facebook ads, they were targeting the purple states. They were targeting the Wisconsin's of the world where Hillary Clinton did not think to campaign and which summarily lost her the election. So that is just hilarious. <laughs> How did the Russians know to campaign there when you didn't, Hillary? My God, I love it. All right, that's enough of that. One more story, uh, which <laughs> just, again, where is the where is the left outrage on this story? Democracy in Chains, which you might remember as a book attacking libertarianism, attacking some of the uh, the basic founders of libertarian thought, and is one of the worst reference, worst sourced, uh, and most inaccurate books ever written, but which the left jumped on with both hands because they despise conservatism and they despise libertarianism and, and gave this one a platform to spread this complete bullshit, which if you ask anyone that was an actual legitimate historian, anyone that knew any of the parties involved that went to these academies uh, that was around anything referenced in the book, they will tell you immediately that she's dead wrong. But anyway, Nancy McLean, author of Democracy in Chains, was giving a speech and uh, was asked a question about, uh, I believe it was Buchanan. Yes, that's right. It was Buchanan. So she was asked about Buchanan and why some of these other people, whether it was greed or malevolence, uh, which was the better explanation for Buchanan's desire to curb the power of the state along with some of these other leaders in the small government movement. And uh, it, she, she thanks the guy for his profound question. And then says, I didn't put this in the book, but I'll say it here. And goes on to explain that it's striking. This is a quote. It's striking to me how many of the architects of this cause seem to be on the autistic spectrum. People who don't feel solidarity or empathy with others and who have the kind of difficult human relationships sometimes. So, so right there, where is the left? Where are all these warriors for social justice? Where are all the warriors protecting all these people that they claim can't protect themselves? Where are these people protecting the feelings of the autistic people in this nation, which you see a ton of autism stickers everywhere. It's top of the mind. I've got a, my best friend's got a, an autistic child. I mean, this is one of the most insulting things ever stated. Now, granted, there might be more people on the autistic spectrum that are drawn to libertarianism. Maybe. There's also a lot more people of high cues that are drawn to libertarianism. I was listening to Tom Woods interview today with uh, with a woman, and she was talking about the fact that there do, there does actually exist a correlation between high IQ logical reasoning and a lack of empathy. Because instead of reacting simply via emotion, like so many people on the progressive left do, we instead reason through and say, "Okay, well, what's the easiest solution? What's the what's the answer to this question? What are the causes behind it from a logical perspective?" That's not a lack of empathy per se. That's just thinking through things before you react to them emotionally. Anywho, so she says she throws this blanket statement: "If you're libertarianism, uh, if you're libertarian, you're autistic." There's no outrage. It's not reported in mass media, of course not, because she's a darling of the left because of this book that shits all over conservatism and small government ideals, but. Let me tell you what I get a kick out of this uh, the most, though. This is this is what I found pretty funny, is that libertarians, I would venture, other than the Jenny McCarthy's of the world, libertarians <laughs> speak out more than anyone against vaccines because we feel that it's a choice 
a personal choice whether or not you should vaccinate your child or vaccinate your child, vaccinate your child. And it's up to the parent to decide whether or not to put this foreign substance into a child's body should not be mandated by government. So we're, so we're as a whole fighting the fight against routine vaccinations or mandated vaccinations. Vaccinations, of course, is what a lot of people think cause autism. That study has been pretty thoroughly debunked, but there's some people that claim that it does. Again, the Jenny McCarthy's of the world. So I just find it hilarious that the group that's fighting against vaccinations, which say they, they say cause autism, is then accused of being autistic. <laughs> shouldn't, shouldn't we be pushing vaccines as hard as we possibly can? Get all these children vaccinated. We'll get them all autism and then we'll get them on our side. <laughs> oh, God, man. <sighs> anyway. Funny, isn't it? We'll leave it at there. Guys, I want to remind you to please listen to our other shows that are on this here podcast. They're only the only libertarian variety show out there. Share it around, guys. Share this show with your friends. Tell other people about it if you would. If you're on a message board, libertarian message board, tell other people about this show as we look to grow. Mark Claire has his show on Mondays looking at in-depth issues and interviews of libertarian leaders of the movement. Me, I'm on Wednesdays, as you know, yelling into a microphone, slobbering, drinking too much seltzer water, then burping in the microphone. Then you got John Odie Odermatt on Fridays with Felony Friday. I mean, really incredible, incredible work that he's doing over there. If you don't listen to it, please do. I know it's something you go, oh, God, do I want to hear the story of, of how this person got screwed over by the government, the injustice? Trust me, you want to hear it. Just like I'm talking about these progressives avoiding conflict. You need to listen to it. You need to have that conflict. You need to see what life is like so you can figure out how best to overcome it. And John Odermatt's show is about that. So check out Felony Fridays, guys. All right. That being said, follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Join our Facebook forum. You can interact with all of us there. Just type in Lions of Liberty Forum in your Facebook bar. It'll pop right up. If you don't look too crazy, we'll let you in. Tell them where you heard about it. You can say you heard it right here from me. Brian McWilliams, your friend in Liberty. And don't forget, guys, you can support us by buying a T-shirt on uh, online. We've got some awesome designs from our friend Dan Smots over at the Systems Down podcast. And also, you can support this show while getting some fantastic bonus content that people don't get access to via the regular podcast feed. Go to lionsofliberty.com forward slash support. we got $5, $10, $25, all with different benefits involved. So, guys, thank you for listening. Hopefully, You uh, appreciated my take on a very touchy, sensitive issue and the way I thought it through for you. And that'll do it for this show, guys. So thanks from me, Brian McWilliams, from all of us here at Lions of Liberty. And I want to remind you that from Electric Liberty Land, you should always stay plugged in to liberty.